Welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. I'm your host, Anthony Algman. Everyone needs to harness the power of data. There's a lot involved in making that happen, and this show is here to make it all a little bit easier. Think of this as an audio advice column for all your data and leadership questions. Today, we welcome back once more Bob Seiner. Bob is the creator of the non-invasive approach to data governance and the president and principal of KIK Consulting and Educational Services. Bob's second book, Non-Invasive Data Governance Strikes Again, Gaining Experience and Perspective, is now available. Yeah. You have it upside down, Anthony. I know I do. (laughs) We do this. We do this here. And see, we can get it right side up. So there we go. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> but it's a, I love this this book is awesome too. It's it's really it's it's so Bob, welcome back. All that stuff. <laughs> it's great to have you. It's always fun to 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 talk with you on these things. Um tell me like so we didn't talk the last time you were on the show, we didn't talk too much about non-invasive data governance strikes again. I, I want to hear more about where uh that came from and and um you know the the impact that it's having in in the marketplace. But first, I just want everybody to know that this is going to be my last episode uh, of Data Leadership for Everyone on the podcast. This is our twentieth episode of the new rebooted uh, podcast, and quite frankly, my my career has changed. I am now doing different things than I had been doing and anticipated doing when I relaunched the show. And quite frankly, it just doesn't fit into um, how I need to spend my time right now. And so. My emphasis, I'm, I'm creating a ton of content, I'm doing a lot of things, but I've, I'm taking more of an applied data analytics approach in the sports betting space. And so I've created a brand and, and I'm doing a lot of work in that. And this just doesn't really fit into my schedule at this point. So I've decided to sunset it uh, for the time being while I com- you know, completely pursue this entrepreneurial path in sports betting. If you want to learn more about that, you can go to atrainbets.com. It's the number eight, rain like the water from the sky, and bets like, well, making bets on stuff, uh, .com. So atrainbets.com, and you can learn more about that there or find the link on my LinkedIn. Uh, it is there as well. So that is where I'm heading in my career. We're not going to really talk too much about that here, but I will be a little bit freer in some of the um, opinions that I may have. <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time now doing content and live streams and all of that stuff. And I, uh, I what we're going to have to worry about is me watching my language because this is the child friend. No child would love like ever listen to this show, but like this has to be family friendly. I can't I can't drop all the f bombs that I do in my other content. So that's uh, I gotta I gotta be behaved, Bob. So keep me on keep me in line here because I, I you know me. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna skew. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go off the rails. So hey, let's hey, talk hey, about everybody. your. Wish me luck with that. By the way, thank you very much. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I will. Um, and so tell tell us about tell us about your book. Let's talk about that. What's happening with you? What's happening with your book? And um, let's. Uh, I, I lost a little connection there, but I think we're okay. Um, tell us about what, what's going on with you, Bob. What's going on with me? Okay, so how long is this podcast going to be? First of all, Anthony, six I, seven I, hours. I, it's fine. I have to tell you that the the industry for now will miss you because it's always good to see your smiling face and the, to have these conversations publicly and you know rather than privately because God knows we have a lot of them privately as well um, yeah. so well, I appreciate that Bob and I will say I'll still come around to some of the events and cause trouble like I am absolutely committed to doing that because I enjoy doing that so I'd be disappointed you, you get rid of me that easily I'd be disappointed in you if you did not do that so <laughs> what's you. new with me so <clears throat> my second book that you held upside down and then you held right side up um, it's right side up now, um, is, is doing pretty, pretty well. I mean, the first book that I wrote on the subject was written in 
2014, but I had been using the approach for several years before I started, before I wrote that book. Um, this is not a second edition of the first book. It, it is more lessons learned, perspective gained, and how to apply those things um, in all the years that I've been applying. Uh, I've been using non-invasive approach to help organizations to implement their data governance programs. So what was the response to it? Well, the sales of the second book are pretty good, but they have really spurred a lot of interest in the sale of the first book. And the, and the second book is also now being translated into another language. So I think it's going to do well for for the industry. And, uh, you know, we all know that you're not going to get rich writing a book on data governance, even if it is non-invasive data governance versus other types of data governance. So yeah. there's a lot of other things going on as well. I mean, the uh, the approach continues to be talked about and continues to be used by organizations. But I don't want to spend a lot of time in the podcast yeah. talking about that. I'd rather talk about, you know, where are the challenges? You know, where are the problems that people are having and how can we apply the things that we talk about all the time to real life? And yeah. I know you're doing that now in what you do mm -hmm. in, in your your newest ventures, your new mm -hmm. ventures. Um, so let's talk about that instead. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. But I wanted to make sure that people knew that that was out there. And for me, like as a longtime reader of, of TDAN and, and you've had that publication for a very long time, like this is like TDAN in a, in a book format, right? Like it's, it's, it's like you can see all of these great articles, all of these great um, lessons that you've compiled. And it's nice to have that as a, a reference book in, in the data work that you're doing. So I, I just I think it's great. I think people should should check it out if they have one of our it. mutual friends said to me, it's like Bob did a brain dump on, on yeah. non-invasive of data governance in the second book. So it's mm -hmm. 50 essays, basically of things that I've learned and, and analogies that I've made that have been helpful in helping organizations make data governance real in their organizations. So, I mean, it was, it was a long time in coming, uh, but also when I, I decided to put the book out, there were some things that I knew I hadn't addressed that I needed to address. So there's a lot of new content of, of really fresh content about things like large language models mm -hmm. and generative AI and things that people weren't really talking about in 2014. In fact, things that people weren't even talking about in September of 2022. <laughs> so it is that sure. new to us and to the industry. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. Awesome. Awesome addition to anyone's a bookshelf. So we'll leave it at that and, and I'll, I'll stop talking about it. But um, yeah, to me, so, and, and I want to provide a little bit of context because it's quite, you know, it may be shocking to people to hear, wait, what, what's he doing now? Doing sports betting and stuff. But for me, I, I've long known what I do, right? I do data analytics and I build platforms. I'm more a data engineer than data scientist, but I've always been driven to apply the potential of data in ways that are meaningful to a business. And I've always struggled in my career with wh what context is best to do that. And so I've had jobs in consulting. I've learned a lot in consulting. I've learned a lot in, in industry jobs. I did technology for the first decade of my career. And I've always struggled at, at where it is. And most recently before I, I went out and to do the entrepreneurial thing again, I had been working in big pharma and found it deeply frustrating because in, in big pharma, I was hired for a specific skill set. And I found it very difficult to actually use that skill set to make the changes that I wanted to have. Maybe I wasn't high enough level in the organization. Maybe I didn't have the resources or the team underneath me to do it or, or whatever, like or a whole bunch of reasons. But I never found joy in doing that because I just felt like I was this one person trying to fight the hurricane and I couldn't 
get anywhere with it. Like I could see like, here's what you need to do to fight a hurricane. I had none of the tools I needed to do it with. And so I, I, I and I didn't have the, I couldn't yell loud enough at that hurricane to say, Hey, hurricane stop. And it wouldn't stop. Like nobody could hear me. And so like I was brought in, but the real investment that would have been necessary to apply what I could do there just didn't work. And so it was one more to me failure of having a good idea doing it for the right reason, trying to help, you know, make medicine in the context of a global pandemic that was really important to me, but I just felt ineffective. And, and I had to give up on that because I just knew that the frustrations weren't worth the impact I was actually having. The big mission mattered a lot. And the people on that mission, I have tremendous respect for, and I know they'll be successful, but I don't know that that was the place for me to add the most value I could, which is really important to me in my career. And so now I found an opportunity, which really, I think, plays to my strengths while also mattering to people, maybe not as big of a picture thing as human health, but helping people do this hobby that they have better through a data-driven approach, it really ties together a lot of things that I enjoy and I'm pretty good at. And so that to me has been an interesting endeavor. At least it was something wildly different than the traditional, do I go industry or do I go consulting thing? But as I come out of that, it teaches me where a lot of times we know what should be done, yet we struggle on doing it. Now, in an entrepreneurial setting, I can do whatever I want, right? Like I can go and I can do it. I don't have enough hours in the day. I'm like, why is this weekend so long? Let's get back to work. Like that's the kind of attitude I have now. But it's when you're in a large organization that moves mountains, you you often encounter things that are difficult to achieve, even when you know the right strategy that execution becomes extremely difficult. And I feel like I've seen it from, from all angles, but I also feel like I'm highly subjective in this because maybe I'm just not very good at this. Maybe I just had bad opportunities. Maybe I just had the wrong ideas. From somebody in your position where you've been a long-time consultant, see many, many businesses struggle and succeed in different ways, is what I'm saying off the mark, or do you think there's truth in this and it's not just a... a singular perspective from one person's career. So one thing I want to say is that I feel like I've been with you every step along the way in, in your career, or maybe not every yeah. single step, but at least for the last many years. Yeah. So, and I have always taken the opinion that if Anthony puts his mind to something, he's going to be very successful at it. So I wish you best, the best of everything in your new venture. And there's so much in what you said. I started taking notes. So if you saw me um, looking down, I was writing down a couple of things. I mean, one of the key words that you talked about was investment. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're not willing to do the work, it's not, you're not going to be successful. So there, there's, there's a difference between working hard and in doing hard work. So I know that, you know, I made an analogy in an article that I wrote today in terms of Legos and building complex Lego models. And I know you and I share an interest in that is that once you open the Lego box and you put down the instructions and you have all the pieces, the only way the model is going to get built is by doing the work. When you opened the non-invasive data governance box, because I know if you're going to open a box, you should open the non-invasive data governance box, um, and you have instructions, the only way that you're going to effectively implement 
anything, not just non-invasive data governance, is to do the work. And to do the work takes investment. It takes investment of time. It takes investment of resources. It takes investment in thought process. It takes investment in planning across multiple disciplines within the organization because one person like yourself, like myself, like everybody that I work with is not going to be successful in their organization without having everybody riding on their shoulders. Yeah. Okay. So doing the work. So the key word there was investment right? You're invested in what you're doing. You know that I'm invested in what I'm doing. Um, if the organizations can certainly put lip service and they can have somebody who is sharing the, 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 the great words of being non-invasive in their approach to data governance, if the organization is not prepared to put in the work that it's going to take to get there, because just because it's not non-invasive doesn't mean it's no work. It just means that it's a different way of applying governance to what you do. If you're not willing to do the work, get out of the kitchen and bring in somebody who is, or make a decision in your organization as to whether or not you're going to be successful at this or not. And the, the this that I'm talking about can be anything. Mm-hmm. You know, building an analytical platform, implementing formal governance and accountability for data across the board. So I, I told you before the podcast that I wanted to rant for a little bit. But <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things that I'm finding now is that the organizations that can be, and I've been finding this out for years, is that the well-established organizations that I've been assisting over the years, the only ones that have been successful have been the ones that have been willing to do the work. Yeah. And so that's my, you know, my thought. So no, you're not different. For, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, you're different in a lot of ways. But <laughs> in terms of <laughs> this, in terms of this, um, no, you're, you're spot on. I mean, I, you're, not, you're not off on an island somewhere. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and, but there, there's something that I think really underlies what you were just saying, and that is that this notion of honesty. Like one one of the things is like everybody who's been in consulting for a while has seen the organization who did a strategy project that you have been brought in to do. They did the same strategy project three years ago, and it, they just never moved anything forward. And so now they're like, oh, we got to start and do the strategy again. It's like the strategy before was probably OK. What the problem is, is that you were not honest with yourself about being able to take what comes out of this and really turn it into action, to really turn it into change. And that's the thing. It's easy to get somebody's opinion. It's a difficult thing to take that opinion and implement it. Right. And that's the thing that I think, to your point, this isn't just about data projects. This isn't about data driven change alone. It's anything in your business to say, hey, we're going into this and we're going to go in and commit to it completely or we're not going to go into this. And we're not going to try to do this and we're going to own the fact that we didn't and accept the trade offs accordingly. But the have stuff of like, we're going to tiptoe to this and we're not going to fund it appropriately and we're not going to commit to the change and then we're going to poo-poo it when it fails. Well, no, you didn't really try. You just you just did this nonsense optics stuff to like manage the political games in an organization or something. Like to me, that's the thing that's the most wasteful. Work. Yeah, you got to do the work. You got you to make it happen. Right. And I'm, I'm sick of organizations that think, okay, 
we're going to just have magic change happen when we hire in this team of consultants who are going to charge us way too much per hour. And they're going to come in and do it for us. And then they're going to hand it over and then we're going to have it fine. No, you, you don't. It doesn't work that way. This is the, the, the organizational competencies that you need. You have to build those. You can't outsource those. And I think we've seen this notion of outsourcing be so poorly implemented across the board. I mean, how many organizations have struggled with you know, going offshore on their tech support? And have there been problems with that? Yeah. Have there been benefits to that? Sometimes. But there's there's always trade-offs when you try to find that easy button. I mean, heck, in sports betting, you try to find the easy button, it's going to burn you, right? And so you just have to realize that real progress, real results take real work, real effort, and real, you know, just you've got you've to hustle. You've got to push. And that's where, like, I think the people that do consult, because I will bash consultants all day long. And believe me, I've been part of that problem at times. But I bash consultants, <laughs> according to some consultants, <laughs> maybe unfairly. <laughs> but, the, the, but I do think the consultants like yourself that will go in and listen and then teach and then point out the things, like you're clearing off the lens so they can see it clearly that's what you can do. You can help them understand and say, okay, based on what this is, can you see it clearly? And can you understand what steps are necessary to, to make the change happen that you desire? At some point, though, that client organization has to own those steps. They have to own those change and they have to pull themselves up and make that happen and own what happens as a result. And that's the part where like, you're not backing up a truck of 20 consultants uh, with, with hero capes on that just graduated college to say, Hey, you know, we're going to do all this change for you. That's not the model. But I think that there is value in the skill sets that you've developed over the last, you know, however many years. And so there's value in that knowledge, but that doesn't make the change happen by itself. And I know this is something that, you know, I may say it more coarsely than, than you would, but I know that has to be a frustration that most consultants feel as well, because the, I think even though I've been sitting on the inside of a company for the last few years, my mindset hasn't fundamentally changed. But I think that frustration is just two sides of the same coin. OK, so first I need to say, stop going, stop bashing consultant. <laughs> um, second, I'm going to say that. To all those companies that Anthony is annoyed at because of, of doing the talk, uh, doing the talk but not walking the walk, I guess would be the way to put it. I'm not annoyed at you. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Because, because you know what, I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and the fact that you can, if it is explained, but you know, you're not going to get there unless you walk the walk, unless you do the work, like we talked about. But you know. You've got to make that connection, and uh, you know I, I have a client. I won't. I, I won't talk in any specifics at all. That has had a policy in place to manage data and to govern data since the year two thousand. Mm -hmm. They haven't activated it at all. They activated one piece of it. But okay, it's and it's time. not even active in the terms of the definition of the policy itself. Okay. Okay. It is, the policy was excellent. I mean, the policy was really good in the fact that it outlined the roles and responsibilities around what it was going to take to make, mm -hmm. to, to have data be managed and governed well within the organization. It's very hard to go back to a huge organization and say, 
you haven't activated something that you, well, no, it's not hard. Actually, I find it easy to say you, you haven't activated something that you put in place. Yeah. You haven't done the work. You haven't walked the walk. You've talked the talk by putting the policy in place. That okay. difference between what they said and what they did, though, there's that. That's that that's it. exactly right. right? So, yeah. so, but it, there's a lot of importance in how the message is prepared for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. To come in and say, you screwed up. You didn't do what you said. No, you can't do that. But you can say, what you can do is you can identify the things that are positive in the policy and point out the things that will help them to connect the dots. A good friend of mine gave a presentation at Carnegie Mellon where I speak and I'm part of their uh, chief data officer um, program as faculty said that we should start calling them the CCDOs instead of the CDOs. And it's the chief connecting dots operator uh, officer. <laughs> okay. And so being able to connect the dots and, and realizing, cause you know, you probably heard me say it a gazillion times, the data will not govern itself. Yeah. The metadata, the context for the data will not govern itself. No. The program for data governance will not run itself. Okay, you need to do the work. You need to have resources to apply. Now, there's a lot of organizations that are extremely strapped in terms of resources. You know, I'm sorry. um, In you know, resources don't just materialize out of nowhere. Okay. But if you want to be successful, you're going to need to apply resources and have a, a well thought out plan and approach to do it. It's not going to happen on its own. So when you said you have to own this, I don't know what else could be said about it other than yeah. you have to own this in order for it to be successful. There's nothing wrong with the data management industry, the consulting industry. Um, the, data, the data governance, data management, consulting industry, it's that organizations really need to wake up. And the ones that are waking up and realizing that they need to do the work and they need to own it, they're the ones that are being successful. Okay, so now I'm going to disagree with you on a point. <laughs> because surprised. you said you I mean, said that there's nothing wrong with that data consulting industry. And that's where I would disagree. I think there's plenty wrong. And I think there's a lack of courage. And I think this ties into the bigger problem here. I don't think any of this is a data problem. The fact is, is, and and like for, but before I get into this rant, just so you know, like I may bash consultants, but that's nothing compared to what I say about people in the sports betting industry. So do we, we just wait till you hear some of that stuff. But anyway, the, <laughs> for the sake of this podcast, don't bash me. I'm not bashing you, but I am going to say, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So, but, but the, the, the fact is here, like I have, I have some pretty strong beliefs here in that I find that we often try to treat a more convenient symptom than address what's really the problem. And so the problem here isn't our data. It's not our policies. It's not our data strategy, blah, 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 blah. The fact is, is that our organizational leadership sucks. Our organization, the, the, the organizations that say they don't have resources to get their data right, maybe it's because you're a crappy organization because you don't use your data right. Maybe that's why you don't have enough resources because you're not successful as an organization because of that. So the fact is, is that if you are going to be a well-run business, your organizational leadership needs to get out of, you know, 
analyst calls talking about EBITDA and start to learn what your actual business is about. I've seen too many senior leaders so removed from how their business actually functions, from how their people actually do the real work, from how their business actually treats their real customers. They're so removed from that. How in the world could they possibly lead it? And then we start inventing new chief officer type roles like CDOs and CIOs or whatever. And they're all just moving stuff around without any actual real leadership or any actual real consequences to anything they actually do. Because who do we promote to that? The people that are not like me that refuse to rock the boat because that's how you get ahead in these big organizations is by not being a leader. So the fact is to me is that if you want to be competitive and you don't want to follow the same path of the people who had used to have great companies like everybody who worked at Sears, for example, and didn't learn from the data that they were seeing and how the markets were evolving, and they refused and refused, they dug in their heels and they just said, you know what, this is what we do because we are entitled to success. You know what? You're not. You are not entitled to success. You need to lead and you need to take care of those people who are devoting their careers to helping your business thrive. End Anthony, of rant. Anthony, what is your next <laughs> book about? <laughs> uh, data leadership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming out, well, coming out early next year. That ties in pretty darn well. If I, if I say so myself. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not even. I, I don't. I don't want to address the things that you said. I don't. I don't necessarily think that you're disagreeing with me. No, I not think, exactly. I think you're more in line with. Um, you have some very strong thoughts from your experience, and I will say that I've experienced a lot of the things that you talked about, but I've also experienced that there are more mature leaders these days that are coming out with more. Um, more of a, of a different skill set. And I'm not going to, I don't want to make a plug for CMU, but sure, why not? Car Carnegie mm -hmm. Mellon University, the chief data officer executive education program that I am faculty on, um, is turning out people that are more realistic and realize that if you can't demonstrate business value from what you do, you're not going to be allowed to do it. Or mm -hmm. you're going to be like a hamster in a wheel and you're going to run and run and run and run. And it doesn't matter how fast you run. You're not going to get, you're not going to get where you need to get. Yeah. So um, I'm glad that we did this, uh, this podcast so that you had a chance to rant about how you really <laughs> feel about the data. It's not like I don't do three hours of live streaming every day. Like I, I have a forum that I could, I, I could rant, but, but to me, it is important to call it out and say, Hey, you know, I'd be kidding myself if I didn't say I, I've been frustrated in this entire space and, and, and in my role, like I know my function and most people in their careers don't even get to learn what it is that their life's works about. I've known. And the problem for me has I've never been able to plug it in a, into a place where being me was helpful. This rant stuff, this, this passion, you know me, Bob, this is always on. This is who I am. And this gets me in trouble at corporate because I'm not going to say, oh, you know, Mr. CEO, what you really need to consider is a more thoughtful strategy. No, you got your head up your ass. I don't care. Like, that's the problem is that you need to recognize that the, the mechanics, the economics of real business do not wait around for you to spend 25 years to implement a strategy you came up with. Like, that's the problem that we see. And like, I am not unwilling to call it out now. And maybe it takes me leaving the industry entirely to finally be free to speak my mind. 
But the fact is, is that I've seen it all you've and it been, needs to change. You've always been free to speak your mind and you've always <laughs> spoken your mind. And that's you know, a lot of people don't like it, though. That's the <laughs> and you know what? They're, they're, it can it can hurt sometimes to hear the hard truth. Yeah, I mean, wait till it, you get YouTube haters. You get used yeah, to. It. <laughs> there's an article. There's a, there's an essay in my new book, the one that we talked about early on, talking about conducting a data intervention. So mm-hmm. you've heard about mm-hmm. people getting together and creating and doing an intervention where they're sharing the hard truth with reality. Okay, and so doing so the comparison of doing an intervention and doing a data intervention was just something I experienced at a client. And I, I felt like I had to write about it and it made it into, mm. I think I'm pretty sure it made it into my second book. Mm. Um, I'm going to kind of take this back to the Lego analogy mm-hmm. okay, as a data, as a consultant, a consultant in any field. Yep. Um, when you open a Lego box and you lay out the pieces and the instructions, mm-hmm. If you don't follow the instructions, you're not going, you're most likely, unless you're really, I don't don't know, creative and and you're not going to create the model of what you're trying to create. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, uh, the lunar lander or the, or the spaceship that I know that you and your son have created, have built. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to be willing to do the work. And so a consultant can lay out the best plan of set of instructions piece by piece, or as I put in my article today, brick by brick, Mm -hmm. and you can complete a masterpiece or you can try to, you can try to do it on your own and not follow a good set of instructions, which is coming from a valued data governance or data management consultant. Yeah. And so you're not, your leadership has to realize that you know again the, whoever came up with the expression you know talking the talk and versus walking the walk yeah. um, talking the talk is easy walking the walk takes work mm-hmm. if you're going to do data governance if you're going to walk the walk in data governance consider doing it in a non-invasive way whether or not you agree with my approach or you don't but build it into what people do formalize things that already exist and you'll and 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 do the work basically mm-hmm. and you can be very successful I, that's yeah. my thought and it's you know my experience and i will keep pushing it keep pushing that message and and i will it'll amplify that i think that message is, is both good and, and also don't anybody hold bob accountable for any of my rants because that he he did not endorse nor support anything that i was overstating or uh antagonizing with that but that's always been my thing is to, to kind of overstate for effect but i want to shake it up i want i want people to realize like i it's one thing to say hey bob you know I love the analogy of the Lego and the instructions. And I think that's very sound in in terms of the right role of the consultants. Now, if you want to get better at building Lego and you don't actually build any Lego and you just have a consultant build you for build it for you, you're kind of beholden to having a consultant give you those instructions anytime you want to build Lego. So like if you don't build other skills, you are going to be beholden in, in saying, okay, well, we're going to need help to build the set. And, and some organizations just aren't going to be able to build out that ability to be a Lego master builder on their own. Right. So my consulting business is called KIK Consulting. KIK are not my initials. My initials are BS and I didn't want to call myself BS Consulting. Boy, I told that Fair. joke too many times. Yeah. But the KIK stands for knowledge is king. Right. 
So the transfer, so if you ask, if you hire a consultant and you expect the consultant to do the work, do all of the work, the actual implementation, the operationalization within your organization, right. you're going to be disappointed in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, they can help you to set out the plan. They can help you to implement the plan if they're willing then to take you to that step as well, or you're, you're interested in them helping you to that step. But KIK stands for knowledge is king and transferring the best practice knowledge to them is only the beginning part of the transmitting and receiving equation. You can transmit it. It's got to be received. And so there's there's a lot of art in the way that you work towards getting it received. Mm -hmm. But if it it is received and it is recognized and, and you decide that you're going to do the work. It's, you know, it's there's a lot of value in the consultants, Um, especially especially if you don't have the instructions to build your Lego model and you want somebody to instruct you how to. 100 percent. I mean, the, the, the key thing, too, is to recognize that a lot of times we would love to have better organizational leaderships or resources or whatever it is. And sometimes you still got a job to do. Right. And so I've been in situations where I had more money than human capital and I had to hire an army of consultants to help me with it because it was better than not having any progress at all. And so it was inefficient. It was costly, but it was the best option of a bad set of options. And so there's there's times when you have to do what you have to do to move forward. And I think that's part of leadership as well is to recognize, hey, sometimes we have a crummy hand to play, but we can do the best we can with it. And that's where like all of these rules have exceptions, too, because sometimes the real world is messy, i.e. all the time the real world is messy. So it's easy to say that it's something that's important, like to not trust the consultants to do everything for you. The fact is sometimes you do. Sometimes you just have to work with a crummy situation. And that's part of this. It's you not know, we, we could we could go back and forth on this all day. And I think it's great. And people should view this webinar and, and keep an open mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of value and there's a lot of truth in what you say. And there's a lot of truth in what I say. And if people come to the realization and they recognize that it's going to, that they got to walk, they got to walk the walk. Um, they're going to be They can be successful. And, and please, uh, you know, if I can help you to be successful, you can always feel like reaching out to me to talk about it. Yeah. Same well, too with Anthony and you and your new business. If you ever want to talk about data management stuff, I know you're not going to want to, but if you do, you know where you can reach me. Yeah. Well, you know, I live this data stuff still. I've just applied it in a different context that I'm finding pretty, pretty enjoyable. And I, but, uh, and, I and you're going to be successful in doing it. You're, you are already it. successful in doing it. So you're going to be more successful. Yeah. Well, and, and one thing that I can say as a, as a lesson that I've learned from my career of searching for the right context for me is that if you find yourself super frustrated, if you find yourself in a place where you know your talents, whatever they are, aren't being put to good use, you need to think about how can you change that scenario. And sometimes it's an internal transfer. Sometimes it's redefining a position. Sometimes it's you know moving on to a different company or trying a different kind of industry or role or whatever it is. But the thing is, like, life's too short 
to not do what we enjoy in in my opinion like i know there's people that can successfully work to live and they don't really care they're just going through the motions and doing that that's never been me i mean clearly bob like the first thing you ever said to me was that i'm not passionate enough and like it was <laughs> you know the dawn of a good friendship but it, it's it's one of those things where i i've known that at times, like I've had to keep roles that I hated or a, a lifestyle that wasn't for me while preparing for the next thing. And one of the things that I did in this kind of, of job that I had during the pandemic is I knew that wasn't going to be the forever job. Very quickly, I knew that wasn't going to be my forever job, but I knew I could help. I knew I could make some amount of difference and I knew I could prepare for what's next. And so you can do things deliberately. You can do things with a, a strategy, but watch out for you because one thing I have learned in all the different contexts is that I care about my success more than anybody else cares about my success. And that's where I need to make sure that I'm watching out for that. And I can still be very committed to, to my companies, but I also know, and I've seen too many times where a company will make a lot of hollow promises. They will, they will keep you on the line and then you will end up disappointed. And you know what? We only each have one life, make the most of it. So to me, it's got, you know, it's, it's about saying no as much as it is about saying yes. Right? It's very philosophical, but I think it's a good way to end the podcast. I mean, I think it, it is that, um, you know, do what you love. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think you had say, said make it happen, right? Yeah. And I think make a difference too, because yeah. you can be innovative. You can have ideas that nobody else has, and there's channels for you to get those ideas out there. When I came up with non-invasive data governance or the label that I attached to the idea of non-invasive data governance, it was like a eureka moment, right? Yeah. I didn't know that it would catch on as it is. But if you have an idea that is different or that fights the status quo, go for it. Make it happen. Make it happen is, is what I say. Yeah. Have that have that courage to, to do that different thing you know maybe yeah. when when you keep doing what everybody else is doing you find yourself dissatisfied well try something else try something else so you know what thank you for having me back again it's always great i feel i don't know i, I don't know if i'm if i'm the doomsday podcast guest because i i said i tend to be the last one in your series but um i look forward to um keeping the conversation going yeah, well, and Bob, I really appreciate you being that that doomsday speaker um, on the show. But it was it was one of those things where it's like I I knew that it was time for me to move on, and you encouraged me to have one more episode to do that, and and certainly felt right to have you on and, and talk about some stuff, and hopefully Say, some what, people... you're going to end it without me. Yeah, you exactly. <laughs> thank you, Anthony. Everybody, everybody yeah. should say thank you. So, um, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Bob. And, and I really appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show again today. Um, everybody, if you want to check out, so here's the key. Like right now, we have Data Leadership for Everyone is a um, domain that has like our, our back episodes. You can subscribe and stuff. I don't expect there's going to be any episodes anytime soon. New ones coming out. I would say if you want to check out our archive of shows from both Data Leadership for Everyone as well as Data Leadership Lessons, you should go to YouTube. So go to youtube.com forward slash at sign data leadership for everyone. And we'll include the link in the show notes, um, but that's where you'll find it. There's a couple other links that can get you there too. I'll include those too. And go there, check out the shows. that will have the full video. That's where those will stay. 
but we'll probably be decommissioning the website at some point and, and doing some other stuff with uh, algma.com and whatever. I do have a book coming out early next year. And so keep a lookout for that. Connect on LinkedIn and uh, you'll get updates with that. But it is uh, an exciting time on, on that book. And again, that is more general data leadership content, but I think it will be a... Um, a useful book for, for many of you as well. Uh, and also, if you would like to check out what I'm currently doing, the business I'm currently building, uh, data-driven sports betting, go to atrainbets.com. That's the number eight, rain like the water from the sky, and bets like you know, betting, um, and .com. So and until we meet again, be good to your data, be better to your business, and be best to each other. Now go make an impact. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks, Bob.